0: I'm Joyita Gupta, and this is The Pulse. It has long been recognized that people with disabilities are economically vulnerable. High unemployment or underemployment, coupled with larger expenses and reduced savings, means that this population is often living paycheck to paycheck, with few, if any, options to save for the future. In recognition of this reality, in 2008, the government of Canada introduced the RDSP or the Registered Disability Savings Plan. It is a tool which allows Canadians with disabilities and their families to achieve greater financial security and independence by saving for the future. And though the program has received a lot of positive publicity over the years, according to Statistics Canada, only about a third of eligible Canadians had a RDSP in 2020. Today, we discuss the Registered Disability Savings Plan. It's time to put your finger on The Pulse. Hello and welcome to The Pulse on AMI-audio. I'm Jyothi Gupta. I'm joining you from Accessible Media Inc. in Toronto, and I'm wearing a green V-neck sweater, which I've actually wanted to wear on the show for a very long time. And my hair is tied back in a bun. I'm wearing my usual black headphones. I find this is the most comfortable way to set myself up because I have the guest in my headphones and um, I have a microphone in front of me. So... What happened last week was I had with me on the show and you, you heard the interview with Gurpreet Plaha from the Canada, the Canada Revenue Agency and I was very ambitious with that interview saying we're gonna talk about the disability tax credit, we'll talk about all these other credits available to people with disabilities, and we'll talk about the RDSP. And as you heard, we didn't get to the RDSP. So Gurpreet from the CRA was generous enough to come back and do a deep dive into the RDSP. I know with tax season Uh, being right now. A lot of you have questions about the RGSP, and I'm really delighted that Gurpreet was kind enough to come back and give us another half an hour of her time to go in-depth into the RDSP. Gurpreet, hello and welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for doing back-to-back episodes for us.
1: Hi, Johita, and thank you for having me again. It's a real pleasure to come back and talk about a very important subject, which you had a very great uh, introduction to, so I'm
0: excited for today. Yes, it's great. Let's to jump right into this, so what is the RDSB for those who don't know? Right
1: so you did explain a really good job uh, done on explaining what RDSP is. The RDSP is short for Registered Disability um, Plan. It is a savings plan designed to help Canadians um, that are eligible for disability tax credit and their families to have uh, to save for a long-term uh, long term financial security for their loved ones.
0: Mm-hmm. And why would you say, I mean, you've kind of talked about the importance of, of saving for their loved ones and of providing financial security, but what other benefits are there to having an RDSP?
1: Right. So right off the bat, uh, the RDSP does allow you to save you for your future and you don't need to pay taxes on the earnings that you make on the savings as long as they stay in your account. The government also does contribute generously. So depending on your income, every dollar you save, could they, the government will match up to $3 in the form of a Canada Savings Grant. Um, and then if you have low income, you could also qualify for a Canada savings bonds as well, which, um, which will be uh, the investment of $1,000 per year to the maximum for next 20 years. So that is something uh, that you really have nothing to lose and everything to gain. And your money can grow like tax free in that account.
0: Mm-hmm. We'll get into the specifics a bit more, but just off the top, can you think of a situation where the RDSB may not be the best option for a person with a disability?
1: Right. So RDSB
0: is a really
1: powerful tool to save for future. But in some cases, when your eligibility for disability stops, it uh, comes to my mind that the RDSB will terminate in the year. And then all the grants or the bonds that you receive from the government would have to be paid back or refunded to the government. Now, so talking to your financial advisor would be a great way to explore uh, maybe other options that are actually perfect for your situation to achieve your financial goals.
0: Mm -hmm. And also, not that any of us likes to think about this, but if your disability is such that you're not expected to live past a certain age, then maybe the RDSP isn't the best option for you. If, you If your life expectancy is supposed to be 45 to 50 years, then you might contribute, but not really be in a position to make use of those contributions in later life.
1: Um, there are some rules uh, when it comes to extenuating circumstances like that. Uh, these rules are relaxed. Uh, when you are making an early withdrawal, if your doctor or your nurse or practitioner that you are seeing certifies in writing that you are life like your life expectancy is shorter than five years or so. So these rules are relaxed, but you need to have that in writing. And you also need to uh, consult with your financial advisor to How does that impact you uh, financially from tax perspective and your finances as well?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so who is eligible for the RDSP?
1: Okay, to open up the RDSP plan, um you need to meet certain criteria. Do so you need to be a resident of Canada and file your taxes here? Um, you need a valid SIN number and you need to be younger than 59 years or turning 59 in the calendar year that you're thinking of opening uh, the the RDSP account. Um, You also should be approved for uh, or already receiving disability tax credit. So these are the criteria that you need to meet to be eligible to open an RDSP account.
0: Mm -hmm. And just so I'm clear on this, uh, when we say that you're eligible, it means that you are eligible to be the beneficiary of an RDSP. But you could have a situation where someone's parent or a spouse or another family member opens up an RDSB and contributes to it on behalf of a beneficiary who meets all of the criteria that you talked about.
1: That is correct. Let's, at this point, let's get these two key um, terms actually clarified. Mm-hmm. So, beneficiary is the person who whose the account is for, right, who is going to benefit from the savings at a certain point in time. Now, there's also another term which is important. It's called a plan holder. Like those plan holders could be people that are actually managing the plans for you, and very well as you said, they, they could be your parents, they could be your legal representatives, a lawyer, or any anyone that you appoint to act on your behalf as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And with the beneficiary, um, does the beneficiary like once you designate a beneficiary, is that done forever? Or because I can think about a parent saying, "I can see myself providing for my child." For the rest of my life, and for the rest of their life. But if you're a someone's spouse and your marriage breaks down, you may not want to continue to contribute to an RDSB. How does that work?
1: Um, so, so you can continue saving for your future, or you can uh, plan to. Uh, as much as you actually want to. You don't really have to contribute anything to get the government bonds, but the other grants that you could receive, they need to be matched with the contributions that you make, right? So those are the consequences that you might be might face. But as long as there's the money is sitting in the account and you're not making any contributions, you could still invest that money and keep on earning some kind of investment income throughout the, mm-hmm. the time that you actually need that money.
0: Mm-hmm. Great. And and so tell us a little bit about the application process. You mentioned that the beneficiary has to be uh, eligible for the disability tax credit. What sort of an application process exists above and over applying for and, and receiving the disability tax credit?
1: Right. Uh, So the disability tax credit uh, application that you apply through, it's a separate form, it's called T2201, um, that you uh, send it to us uh, as soon as you figure out that you're eligible for claiming the disability tax credit. It does take about eight weeks for us to process your application. And if you send it with your income tax return, we will process your disability tax credit first uh, and approve it first before we process your return. Now, once you have that, you will uh, go to any financial institution of your choice to open up the RDSB account. In terms of documentation, um, or what you need is make sure that the name, the social insurance number, and the date of birth that you provide to open the RDSB account matches with the information that CRA has so that there is no delay or there is no complications in opening up the account. So your financial institution will take care
0: of that. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned this earlier, but I just wanted to clarify, once you've opened up your RDSP and you start to put money in there and you start to get the government grants put in there and the maybe the, the Canada Disability Savings Bond right. is coming in there. If you decide to invest some of that money and, and have it grow that way, what happens to the investment income so generated? Is that taxable?
1: Right. So, the contributions in the RDSP account could be your personal contributions, your grants, your bonds, and the investment income that you may earn um, through that, through those savings accounts. Now, personal contributions are considered after tax dollars, so there's no tax when you withdraw them. However, the grant, bonds, or any other investment income that you could receive would be taxed um, and only and it only taxed when you withdraw that amount.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So again, just break it down for us. uh, How exactly does the RTSP work? So you kind of alluded to it, uh, the basic idea being that you put money in and the government matches it. But maybe you could get into that in a little more detail and explain exactly how much the government uh, contributes and when they're likely to make that contribution.
1: Yeah, so contributions to an RDSP are not like they're not tax deductible and can be made until the end of the year the beneficiary turns 59. Now your personal contributions like are withdrawn are not included in the income of the beneficiary but however the Canada the grants, the savings grants and the bonds and investment income um would be included in the income for the tax purposes of the beneficiary. Now for to a little bit of deep dive in how much you're going to get it actually does depend on your family's net income so let's say if your family's net income is below ninety eight thousand dollars, this is just a ballpark um, and then for every one dollar you put into your rdsb account the federal government will match it up to three dollars so that is through the canada's disability savings grant now the, for the bonds like people with um people with low income um i think the amount less than $32,000 for the year the federal government will invest $1,000 each year for 20 years
0: mm-hmm. on your behalf that's right mhm um so you can, just so I understand, even if you know someone is on social assistance and they are, don't have a lot of money and they can't make a contribution themselves, they just cannot put in anything into their RTSP. If they open it up, then they'll get the $1,000 savings bond from the government regardless, even if they themselves aren't able to put a single dollar into the RDSP in a given year.
1: That is correct. There are no contributions required to be made in order to get the bonds. To qualify for the bond, though... Uh, All you have to do is file your income tax return and benefits return because we need uh past like past two years of ta- uh, like your income to calculate how much you're entitled to get because it does depend on on your income. Uh, the amount of the bond is based on the adjusted family net income. So no bond is paid if you make over a certain threshold.
0: Mm mm-hmm and so is there ever a situation where the government may stop contributing to someone's rdsb or would contribute less
1: right so this situation would be um when the beneficiary turned 49 now there is a requirement mm-hmm. so when uh Government stops paying any grants or bonds when the beneficiary, the year in which beneficiary turns 49. So that would be one situation. If you make more income, like if you are making above the threshold that are set for those uh, grants and bonds, that is a situation where the contributions or matchup could be less or there could be no investment from the government's perspective right? Um, so once you pass the 49 years of age and these contributions stop or maybe if you uh, lose your disability status that could be like one of the situations where these payments can stop as well
0: mm-hmm. uh, So a couple of weeks back um, we just had the, the, um, the deadline to contribute to the R- the RSP. You know, RSP season can get very busy if you work in a bank, and a lot of people will go and put money into their RSP saying, this is a way that I can pay less income tax. Uh, if you make a contribution to an RDSP, can you also use that, that contribution to the RDSP to reduce your income tax burden in the same way as you might be able to deduct a bit of your income tax based on how much you contribute to a regular RSP?
1: Uh, yeah, no. So these both both of these RSPs and rdsps are the accounts to help you um, for your retirement years. But for the contributions that are made into the RDSP are not tax deductible, similar to RSPs. So that's the big dis- dis- uh, distinction. However, the um, when you withdraw or uh, when you uh, withdraw the money, there would be tax consequences on the
0: withdrawals. Right. Um, is there a limit on how, because, you know, with, with an RSP, you have a certain amount of contribution room, and you, you shouldn't exceed that contribution room if you can help it. Um, and a lot of people don't, actually. But with the RDSP, is there a similar limit on how much someone can actually contribute in a given year or over the course of their lifetime?
1: Right. So there is no annual limit um, on how much you can contribute into the RDSP. However, there is a lifetime limit. So you cannot exceed uh, $200,000 until the beneficiary turns 59. So that is the limit. So it doesn't matter. You can deposit. $200,000 $200,000 in one shot, but you cannot increase that amount.
0: All right. So $200,000 is where we got to put the brakes on. I mean, for a lot of people, though, $200,000 is still a lot of money. Um, in a number of people with disabilities being on social assistance. I'm wondering if the RDSP is considered an asset for the purposes of provincial social assistance programs, or if the fact that you have an RDSP might in any way adversely impact your eligibility for a provincial social assistance program?
1: Right. So federally, there is uh, no impact on uh, programs like um, old age security or uh, CPP or guaranteed income supplement because these programs are income tested. However, some provinces actually uh, do put some restrictions on considering it as an asset or an income. Uh, the Quebec, New Brunswick and PEI uh, have different set of rules when it's calculated come to calculating the eligibility for some provincial assistance program. So I think it'll be best to contact the provincial government that you are uh, residing in to get more information on the clawbacks or any mm-hmm. any kind of restrictions or limitations on the other programs.
0: Mm. Uh, you mentioned that over the course of someone's lifetime, they can contribute $200,000 to an RDSP. Could someone have a scenario where they contribute $200,000 of their own money, they're the person with a disability and they're the beneficiary of their own RDSP, but they get a second RDSP where their mom or somebody else is putting in money for them as well, can you actually get away with having two or is it just the one uh, for everybody?
1: It is. I wish there were two, but they right, <laughs> currently uh, a beneficiary can only have one RDSP. You can have several plan holders, like your mom and dad, or your lawyers, or your grandparents, like whoever wants to manage whoever you authorize to manage that account. But the beneficiary can only have one one account.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, you you did touch on this a bit earlier, but just uh, in the interest of, of greater clarity, is there ever a situation where the person who has the RDSB or the beneficiary needs to pay back the government's contribution?
1: Uh, right. So situations like when you stop being eligible for disability tax credit or when you make mm-hmm. an early withdrawal could trigger a payback. Now, there is a, a proportional uh, repayment rule, which means that for each $1 you withdraw from an RDSB, you'll lose $3 of any grants or bonds um, into a plan. In the previous 10 years, um, as they will need to be repaid back to the government, so there is like a little bit of a rule that you really have to watch out for that. And so, all personal contributions and interest earned are considered the property of the beneficiary, so they 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 never need to be paid back to anyone.
0: Mm. Now, you mentioned that you 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 have to stop contributing to the RDSP by the age of forty nine, right? But when can you actually start withdrawing from the RDSB? And is there are there rules about how much you can? Uh, how much you can take out of your RDSP in a given year?
1: Right. So to just to correct, you need to stop oh. contributing until the age of 59. 49 oh, 59. Years, yes, 49 is the maximum when you get the grants and the bonds ah, from the government. Okay. So there is a little mm. bit of a, a numbers game there. Um, mm. But other than that, you can, um, so when you turn 60 would be the ideal age to start withdrawing money because it's. It's actually essentially a plan for your future, for a long term future, when to help you in your retirement years, right? So that is the goal uh, of this plan. So that is when you can start withdrawing the money. But having said that, there would be certain circumstances where you need to withdraw money and you could do that as well. Mm.
0: And so how does the withdrawal work? Do you withdraw it all in one shot? Do you set it up so you're getting uh, paid out a certain amount annually? What are the rules around withdrawing from your RDSP?
1: So, Like with the withdrawals work, uh, once you reach the age 60, there is uh, the long term disability assistance plan, which you can continuously withdraw money depending on the income tax credits that you might be eligible for. So that is something that you would probably speak to your uh, financial advisor to see. So basically, you will be eligible to claim a basic personal amount and a disability tax credit on your income tax return. So those are the two uh, thresholds. So each come to um, about ballpark $23,000. So if you plan it accordingly, you would probably never end up paying taxes on the withdrawals. So you can start withdrawing that way. But if um, we talked about earlier, when you start withdrawing a little bit earlier than that because you need it for whatever reason, um, there could be penalties involved in 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 those withdrawals. So, uh, like like I said earlier, ten years rule apply with the grants and bonds. So if they have been sitting in the account for more than ten years, then you don't have to pay them back. But if that's not the case, then you might have to pay that those back as well. and that's where these penalties
0: come kind of come from. Right. But you can plan it out so that you are not getting penalized, especially if you withdraw after the age of of 60. Uh, How does it impact uh, getting your CPP and OAS? Are those things at all impacted when you start to withdraw from your RDSP? Uh,
1: No. So the payments to uh, CPP and OAS are income tested program. So they don't get impacted by these uh, withdrawals from the RDSP.
0: Nice. Okay. Good to know. so, you know, some some years back when I bought my, my first home, I was able to go into my RSPs and I was able to take some money out of my RSPs under the home buyer's plan to buy a house. So could I take the money from my RDSP out under similar circumstances, let's say to buy a house?
1: Um, you can actually spend the RDSP withdrawal however way you wish. You can decide to where and when to spend them. And you can put these withdrawals towards the non-disability related expenses. So this means that the funds from RDSP can be put towards a down payment or even for recurring mortgage payments as well. But there is like you no know, certain tax advantage of um you know doing
0: that. Yeah, I mean the reason I asked about the home buyer's plan is because you have to put the money back into your RSP when you withdraw it on the basis of the home buyer's plan, right? Then you you pay it back in installments until you've you've made yourself whole again basically. I guess is the colloquial way of saying it. it. Does does the RDSP work in the same way where you would take a certain amount of money from your RDSP to put down a down payment with the expectation that in the next oh I don't know 15 years or so you'd have to put it back into the RDSP?
1: Um, So, again, it comes with the timing and it comes with uh, how much money you have in terms of grants and bonds and if there are going to be penalties involved, like, you know, the 10 year rules come into play as well. So it's always a good idea to speak to the financial institution that you have the RDSV account with and see if these are the consequences or what you have to pay back because amount will differ based
0: on the situation you're in. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people with disabilities have these extra expenses, not just after the age of 60, but over the course of their lifetimes, buying specialized equipment, maybe getting home care, uh, you know, maybe doing home renovations, all kinds of other things uh, come up for a person with a disability over the course of their lifetime. Can they dip into their RDSP to pay for some of these things without incurring a penalty?
1: Uh, Yeah, so like I said, the withdrawals from the RDSP can be spent however way you choose to. If you do choose to renovate your um, house so that it's more accessible to you, you can absolutely do so. However, again, it comes with the consequences of early withdrawals and what kind of financial predicament it puts you into, right? So the, the option is there for you to withdraw money before 60, but it could just come with certain penalties depending on how long the grants and the bonds have been sitting into
0: the account. Right. And Gurpreet, if someone has extenuating medical circumstances, like you said earlier in our conversation, if they only expected to live for another five years or so, uh, is there some flexibility to change some of the rules and not to penalize somebody in case they have an extenuating medical circumstance, which is why they're dipping into their RDSPs early or withdrawing from them early?
1: Um, yes. So, Again, the early withdrawal rules that we've talked earlier are relaxed when it's actually uh, when the life expectancy of an individual is shortened and it's less than like five years or so. In that case, uh, you can um, what happens is the plan is actually changed into uh, SDSP, which is a specified disability uh, plan. But uh, in that case, the withdrawals from the SDA, SDSP will not trigger a repayment of assistance holdback amount as long as uh the taxable portion of all the withdrawal made stay below ten grand. So once the plan is designated as an SDSP, you cannot make any more contributions or any um uh, are they are not allowed and then except for any rollovers from the other other investments that you may have. So again, talk to your uh financial professional who you're dealing with when you're contemplating the withdrawals from the RDSP. Mm.
0: Not that I like to think about it, but what happens when the beneficiary of an RDSP dies? What happens to the money that still remains in the RDSP, uh, both the the contributions made by the person and their family, as well as all the government grants and bonds that we've been talking about today?
1: Right. So what do you want? When that happens, the RDSB must be closed and all amounts in the plan must be paid out to the beneficiary's estate by the December 31st of the following year um, when the death occurs, right? So any funds uh, that are remaining in the RDSB after any required like payment to the government, if we needed to pay back some grants or bonds, uh, they will be paid to the estate itself. Now, if there were some withdrawals that were made in the t- in the year um, when the beneficiary dies, there might be some tax consequences as well. So they would have to be included in their
0: income as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a quick question. If somebody starts an RDSP for their child and the child turns 18, what happens to that RDSP? Um,
1: so there are two situations um, that the RDSP still stays there. Uh but the beneficiary, when beneficiary has reached the age of 18 and they're actually contractually uh, co- contractually competent to enter into the agreement um for that RDSP, they own the RDSP and they can manage uh manage the RDSP. The way they want to right in the other uh, other situation where a beneficiary like has reached the um, age of majority but is not competent to enter into a contract like a legally binding contract then the the qualifying family members can maintain that account uh, for them or their legal representatives, whatever the situation may be. Mm.
0: Uh, we asked, I asked you about this in res- with respect to the disability tax credit. What if someone was eligible in the last 10 years, but they didn't get the disability tax credit? And you said they can try to apply to get it retroactively. Can you also get the at least the government grants and bonds retroactively for the last 10 years, if you can prove that you were eligible for them, even if you didn't open an RDSP?
1: Right. Yes, you can. Um, so when you establish an RDS the grant is uh, paid on unused entitlement for preceding 10 years. So the annual maximum is still $10,500 in that case. Um, however, you cannot receive the retroactive grants if you are uh, after the age of 49. So that will be the catch in there. And ev- when you eventually file your tax return, you'll be able to receive the bond retroactively as well.
0: Okay, great. Well, in about 30 seconds, where can we get more info about the RGSP? I seem to remember that there was also a dedicated phone line that you could call. I don't know if that's still operational, but where can we get more information about this?
1: So again, our website is an excellent source of information on this topic. We do have a detailed guide that just deals with the RDSP with some great examples to explore more tax perspective and how does that impact uh, your tax situation. We have these publications available in braille, large print, e-text, and also MP3 and MP format um, as well. You can call us uh, to order these uh, for you and we will send it to your way. If you are calling our general inquiries line, just tell the agent that you're calling regarding only tax credit or RDSP, and they'll transfer it to the appropriate agent.
0: Very nice. Okay, Gurpreet, thank you very much for chatting with us about the RDSP today. Uh, it's flown by, but you packed a lot of information in there. So thank you very much. My pleasure, Joyita. Thank you. Gurpreet Plaha is a spokesperson for the Canada Revenue Agency. And of course, you can go back and listen to our conversation. I'll put the link to the RDSP guide in the description for you. And you're also welcome to go back and listen to the previous episode where we talk about the disability tax credit. Our videographer today has been Ted Cooper. Um, Mark Aflalo is our technical producer. Ryan Delahanty is the coordinator for podcasts at AMI-audio. And Andy Frank is the manager here at AMI-audio, and I've been your host, Jyothi Gupta. Thanks so much for listening. If you have any feedback, you can write to us at feedback at ami.ca. You can give us a call at 1-866-509-4545, 1-866-509-4545. And don't forget to leave your permission to play the audio on the program. And of course, you can also send us an e- email right to feedback at ami.ca. It's been a pleasure talking to you about all things tax related. And I hope you find this information useful and we would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.